Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, hello, hello. It's Shira. And we got Shar in as well as usual yes, on Friday. TGIF. Yes. I'm so excited to be here. I can't believe we're already in the middle of the month. I know. Welcome back. Ryan has been out, of course. Oh, my God. But it's the ladies taking over. Yes. With two weeks left in July. Sorry, wow. I know that everyone hates when I remind them, but... I'm just astonished that 2022 has just felt like it's been on fast forward for me. And I've yeah. had quite the morning. I just want to shout out to Pilates. I recently started it and good. I'm loving it. Loving it. And also Happy Jackie Washington Day, which is a cult classic film in queer circles and a lot of black queer circles. It stars Jennifer Lewis, uh-huh. who got her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame this morning. I was in attendance. And if you want to see who was there... Head on over to my Instagram, Debbie Allen, Brandy, Kyla Pratt. It was good. Do you just go to go or are you going for work? Both. A little bit of both. Because you can pitch stories. Yeah, I know. But you just, lo- I know you love going to the Walk of Fame. I do love going to Walk of Fame because you never know who you'll run into. I ran into a group of people that I know but wouldn't expect them to be there. So I was kind of rolling with them. Patrick Ian Polk was there, who I just saw last night at Outfest. Yes, Outfest is happening here in LA. Yes, which shout out to Anything's Possible. I know I'm talking a mile a minute, but no, because you have a lot to catch us up on. Anything's Possible. Billy Porter's directorial debut. It premiered last night at Outfest, which is celebrating their 40th anniversary. And you all can watch it on Prime Video next Friday, July 22nd. And your girl, Char Says So, served as a consultant in post-production. Still. And I'd love to hear you all's feedback. It is such... If you enjoyed Love, Simon, you'll enjoy Anything's Possible. Yeah, it's a YA kind of film story, it's right? It's coming of age. It's a, it's a young adult coming of age rom-com. I know that because we interviewed Billy for Culture Q on Reverie, nice. my other show. Even though I, I saw didn't, Andy last night. I didn't night. do the interview, but I helped produce the questions, so I did my research. Yes, there I you saw go. Andy last night as well. So uh, a lot of connections here, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, but we're also going to be talking about you know Congress this hour, what they're doing to protect abortion access. Also, how Republican members are trying to place bans on trans health care. Later on in the show, we're mixing it up, talking about a subject I love, love languages and how they can change your relationship. As well as how to admit that you are wrong, something uh, not a lot of us like to do. That's at 4:20 p.m. Pacific, 7:20 p.m. Eastern. Let's get into somewhat trending this hour, though. Right now, the House of Representatives just approved 
legislation that would protect abortion access nationwide. Okay, it's the first action by Democrats in Congress to respond to the Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe v. Wade. The action begins with what Democrats are promising will be an all-out, potentially years-long political campaign to restore abortion rights in all 50 states. And we're going to talk more about that in 15 minutes. And today, also, a lawyer for Brittany Griner presented a court with a doctor's letter recommending she use cannabis to treat pain, saying the attending physician gave Brittany recommendations for the use of medical cannabis. Now, hold on now. I, yeah, in the turn of events. The re- permission was issued on behalf of the Arizona Department of Health. The defense also submitted drug tests she took, which didn't detect any prohibited substances in her system. I wonder if this is their way of saying, like, she was doing this for health. That that yeah. would be a good little loophole. Genius, if you ask yeah. me. Get Britney home. Exactly. And finally, Senator Joe Manchin has said he'll oppose any economic measure he's been negotiating with Democratic leaders. Why do anything if it includes climate or energy provisions or higher taxes on the rich and corporations? Uh, Manchin told Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer that he will only support a new measure if it is limited to curbing pharmaceutical prices and extending federal subsidies for buying health care coverage. Does he know that we can do both at the same time? I we know, can lower the like, price of uh, insulin and battle climate control. Yeah, he was a guest on a talk radio show claiming that his comments were taken out of context. Here's what he said. I said, Chuck, until we see the July inflation figures, until we see the July um, basically uh, Federal Reserve rates, interest rates, then let's wait until that comes out so we know that we're going down the path that won't be inflammatory to add more to inflation. Inflation is absolutely killing many, many people. And can't we wait to make sure that we do nothing to add to that? And I can't make that decision on basically on taxes of any type and also on the energy and climate because it takes the taxes to pay for the investment in the clean technology that I'm in favor of. You know what I'm so sick of? It seems like this is like a reoccurring thing, thing, yeah. theme amongst that party. They always speak and then it's like a, oh, I misspoke. They always do that. Yeah. It, you, yep. it, it's predictable at this point. It's just like, why are you always misspeaking? Right. Why is it always the same narrative then if it was a misspoke? Speaking, yeah, or like a disconnect. Anyway, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh my gosh, Shira. So this one guy from Stranger Things, this actor named Noah Schnapp, can't seem to stay out of the headlines. Now, <laughs> last week, you know, he was beefing with Doja Cat, or mm-hmm. she was beefing with him, rather. Yeah. And that stirred up a whole lot of conversation. But just recently, this morning, he said that his character is indeed, for, because... Okay, I should preface this by saying for the entire series, fans have speculated whether or not his character may be gay and have a crush on his best friend, Mike, okay, who's portrayed by Finn Wolfhard. But now Noah is confirming that his character, Will, is gay and does have a crush on his best friend, Mike. Fans are losing their minds of Stranger Things. And producer Shelby, I know that you're a fan of the show. I've never seen it. Well, I've tried to get through the first, mm-hmm. you know, season and it didn't register yeah. with me. It didn't resonate with me. Yeah, this recent season, um, basically his character is just super emotional and really attached to his best friend, but kind of jealous that his best friend is kind of more invested in his girlfriend. So I think people are reading into that and saying, oh, that must mean he has a crush on his friend. 
I think that's reading into it a little bit. So I'm very surprised to hear that Noah came out and said that, like, this is a fact, especially because a month ago when he was asked this question, he says, oh, it's up to interpretation. So I'm wondering Which what is, changed. He's leaning into it. Up, into, up to interpretation is the safest route to go because yeah. now that he said this, the writers now have to scramble mm. to make one plus one equal two versus keeping it vague. You know what I'm saying? Well, the show's already out. I mean, it's all been shot, but yes. Oh, yeah, and it's over with now, right? Yeah. This was no, the final season. No, there's another season. See, now they have to scramble. That's the tea yeah. report for this hour, though. You want to stick around? Because I got more for you coming up next hour. Okay, well, what Democrats in Congress are doing to protect abortion rights in all 50 states? More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Today, the House passed two bills aiming to protect abortion rights. Democrats are saying this could be a years-long battle, but they are fighting to reinstate reproductive health rights in all 50 states. Joining us to give us some more info is political commentator, our own Ryan Basham. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes, we appreciate you for being here. This is a pretty big deal. Is this what we've been all waiting for? Uh, You know, it's one of the many things we've all been waiting for. You know, um, the reality is, you know, we want Biden to do more on this topic. We want Congress to do more on this topic. But both have already done what they can do. Um, the reality is that the Republicans are keeping us from doing more. You know, the one of these two bills that the House passed, they also passed back in September, and the Senate, uh, the Republicans in the Senate blocked it uh, then, and they're going to do the same thing now. So essentially, the most that's going to come from this right now is um, giving Democrats an opportunity to identify every single Republican who voted against protecting women's health care so that they can use that against them on the campaign trail, because the reality is, unless we have until we have two more senators, two more Democratic senators um, who are willing to break the filibuster, we're just not going to be able to get any laws passed mm. on this. So, you know, it's not really going to do much except, you know, help Democrats campaign against Republicans, rightly so. Mm. In what ways do you see the or project, I should ask, the needle possibly moving forward as we get more and more examples of how uh, overturning Roe was a mistake? For example, the 10 year old girl who was raped in Ohio. And, you know, there's this big debate from both sides, you know, should she have carried the baby? She was the abortion right. How will these types of cases as they continue to emerge move the needle with this conversation? That's a great question, um, and the answer is kind of complicated, but the bottom line is we don't know for sure. Um, you know, I, I think we would like to think that most Americans are as alarmed um, as pr- probably the three of us are regarding not only the impact of this Supreme Court decision, but what it, what it kind of hints at their, not even hints, what it forecasts they're going to do with other rights like same-sex marriage, interracial marriage, access to contraception, um, and so on. And the reality is that most Americans seem to not really get it. So it's incumbent upon Democrats to make sure that average everyday Americans really get it, because the polling suggests that very, very, very few Americans have this as their top or even second concern when they go to the polls in November. So TBD, honestly, but we have to actually get out there and educate people so they actually get it. Definitely. What do these two bills even look like? What was that? What do the two bills even look like? How would it protect abortion rights? Well, one of them um, basically codifies what Roe v. Wade provided into law. So making sure that at the federal level, women have access to abortion up until fetal viability and preventing states from restricting that. And the other one that um, is this is the first time they've passed it. It 
protects women who travel across state lines um, from being persecuted or prosecuted when they get back uh, to their home state. So, uh, you know, we this is actually a really interesting thing about the Supreme Court having just overturned one longstanding right. You know, the right to travel across state lines is not explicitly spelled out in the Constitution. We only have that right legally because back to the 1800s, the Supreme Court has ruled over and over again that we do have the right to travel between states. But we've already seen that the Supreme Court doesn't care about president anymore. So they could decide if someone brings a lawsuit all the way up to the Supreme Court, that states now do have the right to prevent someone from crossing the state lines for certain reasons or punishing them for doing it when they get back. So, you know, that's what the second bill is meant to prevent. But since it's not going to pass the Senate because Republicans are blocking it, who knows what could happen? Yeah, even with uh, Biden's executive order last week, I mean, it just seems like so much lip service that's needed, but it's just like it's not enough. I guess the proof will be really in November, right? Yeah, absolutely. The reality is that, you know, the president, whoever the president is, can do very little on their own. Um, And so, yeah, the proof is in the pudding in November. The only way... And I mean, the only way to keep this from getting worse and to hopefully make it better is if we hold the House and add two Democrats in the Senate. That's it. If we don't do that, it will be years and years and years before Democrats have uh, enough control in Washington in order to do anything about it. It could be a decade or more. So this is our chance. Okay, that was political commentator Ryan Basham. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, next up, although great news from House Democrats, there is some not so great news coming from Republican members of Congress. We're talking about it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. U.S. Republicans in Congress are backing legislation that would roll back protections for transgender people should they take control of Congress this fall. Uh, These bills are a sign that Republicans are aiming to elevate a battle over trans rights. Moira Warburton joins us right now, U.S. Congress reporter at Reuters News. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, well, let's uh, get into everything that the bills outline, if you can. Yeah, for sure. So there's a few different bills. Um, I'd say the one with the most momentum behind it right now is the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. Um, And this one would block federal funding from schools that uh, allow trans women to participate in um, sports designated for cis women. Um, This one has 129 co-sponsors, which is uh, over half of all House Republicans. Um, The leader, the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, um, has endorsed this and been quite vocal about it. So that one's got a fair bit of momentum behind it. Um, Another one that has momentum is the Protect Minors from Medical Malpractice Act. Um, That one's got nine co-sponsors. It also has a partner bill in the Senate um, that's sponsored by Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, um, Marco Rubio. Um, So, yeah, there's some pretty big names behind some of these bills. Um, And it's That was kind of why I wrote the article that I did now, because uh, it it seems like there's a critical mass of momentum building behind this. Yeah, it's it's a lot going on right now. I'm interested in knowing what is the likelihood of these types of bills getting passed, because I know that the the anti-trans laws that are being proposed have doubled since last year. Yeah, definitely at the state level, we're seeing a lot of action on this. the, the the likelihood of the federal laws passing are none right now. Um, Democrats will, will block them from even coming onto the floor. Um, if the Republicans take the House next next year um, in the elections in November, then they would 
likely some of them get to at least a House vote. And if they have a majority, it's not unthinkable that they would pass. It, in fact, seems relatively likely, I think is fair to say. Um, but if and if they take the Senate, then the House and Senate, then I it would it would it would be tough to see them not. Uh, not coming to vote. Um, as long as President Biden is in office, they would get, I assume, vetoed. Um, but yeah, so not likely to pass in the immediate future, but that doesn't mean there's no chance in the future. Mm. All right. Well, what can Democrats and Biden do to make sure that this doesn't progress further? Um, advocates uh, for trans folks and uh, other people in the LGBT community um, who work on issues like this are pushing the Democrats to pass um, equality measures. Um, Biden has proposed expanding title the definition of Title IX to include uh, to include protection to extend the, to the gender protections to trans folks. Um, but right now, it's tough for me to see how something like that would pass through Congress, um, through how, how any um, law enshrining anti-discrimination measures against trans folks would pass through Congress, given that it would need to get uh, to 60 votes in the Senate to overcome the filibuster. And if these bills are ultimately blocked and the miraculous, uh, maybe, you know, notion that they would be blocked, uh, are there additional tactics that Republicans can do to move forward with some sort of ban? I mean, it depends on who who is sitting in the in the in the Oval Office. Um, if there's a Republican president, then there's a lot of executive actions that could be taken. Um, if not, then it's tough to say, really. But I think the main point um, of these bills coming up is at least part in messaging. It's sending a message that Republicans are uh, taking anti-trans legislation. Uh, quite seriously as a policy plank of the party. Okay, wow. yeah, that is really bad. There's, I mean, there's no <laughs> escape, yeah. so. <laughs> uh, that was Moira Warburton, U.S. Congress reporter at Reuters News. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. All right, well, next up, why you shouldn't be saying, I'm sorry at work. Mm. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Do you find yourself saying sorry a lot at work? No. <laughs> and I only say that because I don't mess up to say oh, sorry a well, lot at work. researchers say, well, one, <laughs> no one's perfect. Uh, a lot of us might do things that we consider a mistake or just, it might not even be a big deal, but then you might still say sorry because it's such a, um, a default word. No, it's a default word for people, I think, that um, are can be self-deprecating or people pleasing you might literally women. you might yes you might literally like you know we have headphones on maybe i put something on the the wrong mm-hmm. input and i'll be like oh yeah i'm so sorry i'm so sorry you know there's people that say sorry almost like too much yeah 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 and you're like okay it's, it's like, not a big deal they use it as a transitional phrase or like like a filler like like yeah. You and know how some people say like a lot? Uh-huh. I've done that, yeah. <laughs> me, yeah, uh-huh. me too, girl. <laughs> uh, so here's what people or experts say that you should be saying. Maybe instead of saying I'm sorry, and it means you're still acknowledging what you've done. It's just not using the I'm sorry word. Uh-huh. Uh, they said, uh, replace I'm sorry for being late to thanks for your patience. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry you're stressed with, I noticed you have a lot on your plate. Can I help? Do you need a break? 
I'm, now that one I agree with. The first one I don't. I'm sorry for many things. I think if anything is just like I acknowledge for that I'm late and I appreciate your patience. Yes, I still think that sorry is appropriate to say. I don't. I do not think that it has some sort of like subconscious steering wheel behind it or how it's said. But if you say it frequently, which then implies that you messing up frequently, I'm guessing. Or it implies. Well, I'll say the other side of it. It implies that you actually don't think very highly of your, like you think that you're constantly messing up when you're actually just human and you're just doing, I don't think it needs to be this huge mess up for you, for you to, some people to say, I'm sorry. Well, no, it doesn't yeah. have to be a huge mess up, but for you to even utter those words yeah. implies that there was some sort of yeah. hiccup. This person also said, I'm sorry for this mistake. Instead of saying that, saying, I'm taking responsibility for this, and here's how I plan to fix it. Now, see, you can say that in addition to saying, I'm sorry. I feel like if you make a mistake... Uh, Okay, producer Shelby's got something to say. I disagree. Um, I think making a mistake does not warrant an apology unless it, you know, harms someone in some way. Because... That is a very interesting A mistake is an honest thing. It's not that I'm... Like knowingly at fault. Say if you're running late, it might have been your fault. It might have been traffic, whatever. Like me today. I was running late and I apologized. Yeah, which I got ahead of it. But if it's something like a mistake, like I've made technical mistakes here so far. I'm still in that learning curve of learning the new job. And I don't apologize for it because I'm new. I'm expected to make mistakes. Yeah. And I think everyone else expects me to also make mistakes. And I take it as a learning experience and not as a... Um, you should constantly be like, like a slap on the you, wrist. Yeah, you kind of yeah. like. Cro- I feel like sometimes I'm sorry can like bring yourself down. As in, yeah, it's just. Well, because sure doesn't want to hear it. When it's <laughs> been created, I agree. I think that you know. Also, we need to get in a place. I think that. You have the mistakes, once again, that hurt people and that create a domino effect of like, this is wrong and ethically wrong, morally wrong. Mm -hmm. And then in society, we're scared of making mistakes or failing, quote unquote, even though that's where the growth happens. There's two sides to that. At any rate, we do need to move on. But at LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media, if you want, slide into our DMs. We'd love to hear from you. It's case by case. I want to say that. Exactly. very case by case. Nothing is black and white, by the way. Yeah. If you live in L.A. County, are you eligible for the monkeypox vaccine? Find out next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, welcome back. It's Shira. Ryan is out, but Shar is in the studio with me. Yes, and I feel like I'm just running around like a mile a minute. Today is a lot of chaotic energy in the best way, but like I got a million and one tabs open in my brain right now. Oh, really? <laughs> I hear you, but Friday comes around and I'm like chiseling. Nope, I wish I For could. For me, like I have a lot on my plate, but it's like I feel like I have now the space to actually think and work like... Mondays to Thursdays for me are like a race to the finish line. And see, I feel like, well, every day is like that. Every day, y'all. You know, but life is good. We're very fortunate. When you're a freelancer, the day of the work, the day of the week doesn't matter. The work is working. Exactly. I think a lot of people are feeling that way, you know, with the economy and everything. People are just monkey pox, doing COVID, that too. Racism, transphobia, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, There's so much going on. Uh, that's why we got to count our blessings, whatever those are. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on that. We're going to be talking about how allyship can help LGBTQ plus professionals have a better sense of the workplace. That's in 30 minutes. Um, and when you're also talking about allies, I feel like even in the community, allyship is important, right? 
Oh, so, yes. Like, are you around, kidding me? Yeah. I always talk about there, how there are transphobic gay exactly. and lesbian people yeah, exactly. and bi people that are cis that exist. It's not all one big party under mm-hmm. this rainbow flag. Don't let it fool you. <laughs> exactly. That's in 30 <laughs> minutes. Plus, this fresh off the boat actress is speaking out about her mental health. It's surprising mm-hmm. a lot of people. Oh, yeah. It shocked me for yeah. sure. That's coming up in the T-Report. Exactly. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Monkeypox vaccines are now available in L.A. County to gay and bisexual men and transgender individuals. To get vaccinated, patients need to provide either proof of an appropriate and verifiable test result in the last three months or a medical provider attestation confirming that the patient has a history of one of those conditions. Those who meet the criteria and are either without a provider or those providers uh, didn't give the vaccine can now make an appointment at a public health clinic or walk up to one of three public health vaccination pods to receive the vaccine. And as soon as federal vaccine supply expands, public health will make second doses available to those who received their initial dose. They will also continue to expand eligibility to the vaccination as the government distributes additional doses. So, you know, I gave you this information, but if you just have any questions, please call your medical provider right now. ASAP. Yes. Um, there have been you know, far too many threats that have come out with people are like, I wasn't feeling well, but I still went and got my nails done and went to the gym. Yes. If you're not <laughs> feeling well, if you're feeling off public health clinic, you know, call, walk up to it. You know, if they're not answering, just go. Yeah. And it's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. So, uh, yes. And more information online as well. So just do the research. And finally, uh, also, during a U.S. House Judiciary Committee hearing yesterday on the impact of overturning Roe v. Wade, Republican Congressman Matt Gates, who always has something horrible to say, who has never shown any support for the LGBTQ people before, made this bizarre argument that the availability of abortion makes it harder for LGBTQ people to become parents. I worry that if the LGBTQ community and if the advocacy organizations for same-sex couples somehow reorients to be pro-abortion enterprise, that that could actually result in fewer same-sex couples having access to the family formation that, that gives them fulfilled lives. What I would be concerned about is forcing women to carry a pregnancy simply to satisfy another couple's desire to have a child. There are many methods of family formation. Many same-sex couples use fertility treatments, uh, assisted reproductive technologies, in addition to adoption. So are we for, for forcing women to carry babies or not? No, he was just using as if he cared about the community, like he was helping them. Like, And then if we have more people like that don't have abortions, you know, then they, there's more kids for even LGBTQ people who want to be parents. And you're like, what? There's already so many kids. In there the isn't a lack system of uh, people right to adopt or kids to now, adopt. Now, there is no lack. It's just that if the child happens to be of color or anything that's not, you know, yeah. white, able-bodied, yeah. cis, and straight, they're deemed worthless yeah. by the, a lot of people in that party. Yeah. All right, let's get into some what's trending uh, tea. All right. Some tea. entertainment what's trending. <laughs> okay, so I found that this was so interesting. I don't know if you all remember this, but three years ago, Constance Wu stepped back from the public eye after facing backlash over social media posts about her career. Do you all remember this? Yes, but she also was in the Jennifer Lopez movie. Yeah, uh, she was in Hustlers. Hustlers. So I feel like that was a bit of a spotlight. Yeah, well, she wanted to do more passion projects. I do want to, you know, full disclosure, I did keep it a podcast and Randall Park was the guest and I asked him on the spot on air. What do you think about your co-host tweet? Because this was in the same vein. This was when Fresh Off the Boat was still on air. But nevertheless, trigger warning, suicide. 
Constance Wu took to Twitter to open up about her mental health, revealing that she attempted suicide in the aftermath of that controversy. Mm. Um, Part of the statement says, after a little break from Hollywood and a lot of therapy, I feel okay enough to venture back on here, at least for a little bit. And even though I'm scared, I've decided that I owe it to me excuse me, owe it to the me of three years ago to be brave and share my story so that it might help someone with theirs. If you want to know more about that, visit our site. I got more Tea Report coming up for you next hour. All right. And next up, we're getting some Char Says So. Oh, yeah. Stick around. It's going to be good. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, Shira, we're both women. We're both seasoned, sensible sensible women in our 30s. I like to think that way. Yeah. 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 Well, I know I'm sensible. I'm reasonable. Are you nonsensical? I'm reasonable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to have a conversation with you about, and I wish Ryan were here to chime in on this uh, because it's such a nuanced conversation. But I recently came across uh, 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 someone seeking help on an advice column. And the title of this person's email is, Help, I'm ridiculously hot for my age. Turns out that's a problem. (laughs) Okay. All right. So in this letter, this woman goes on to describe that she is 48, so she's knocking on 50. She does not, quote, 
quote-unquote look 48, but recently she found herself in conversation at a work function with younger people in which one man in the group started bemoaning about being 43 and being the oldest person at the table, which then led to a this robust conversation around aging. Uh, the person who wrote into this advice column remained silent because typically when she discloses her age, it's a whole... It, it runs the gamut from what's your secret of youth, like what yeah. moisturizer serum are you using? And it also makes people wonder why you might not be partnered. You get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Mm. So what this brought up for me, and we're definitely going to take a queer angle to this because I often tease us. That's why I want Ryan to be here because I we often... You just call him in bed. He's in bed, but we can call him now. No, but, but I'm saying this because I often tease him in the vein of like, I have a lot of friends who are gay men and it seems like, you know, as the Republicans have been saying, from the womb to the tomb, you got to stay in shape. Like there, there are certain aesthetics. Well, you don't have to, but there's a certain aesthetic that is valued in certain communities yeah and so i'm wondering a lot of people in the community and then outside on the outside looking and can't agree with that yeah and so we're two women in this studio who both like men um well shelby is uh can you are you i haven't haven't roped producer shelby into the conversation yet can i finish my pitch keep going Char. well I'll, i'll come in later thank you you're stepping on me today i was just saying that it's not just to like straight women here Okay, continue. So, um, look at Shira trying to be the PC police for the sake of the conversation amongst the hosts. Almost and that's no shade. Spit out my coffee. Okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is, because we don't have a lot of time yes, to yes, talk. Yes, yes, go, go, go. What I'm saying is, typically what's valued in men, what's deemed, you know, worthy of companionship, if a woman possesses those same qualities, it actually lessens her, in my experience, if you're self-sufficient, if you're independent. Um, With the wrong person. Well, no, but I'm saying just culturally, I feel like the conversation is if you're a woman who has all her stuff together, it lessens a lot of men's attractiveness to you. In my in my experience, that's what I'm gonna say. In my experience, and I so know. I feel like that goes hand in hand with this woman being hot and single, and it's not expected for her to be 48 and so hot. I think it's it's it is a sexist thing. I think it's like with uh, those, I mean, you could say with people who have um, identified as women in the past, right? I think that like. For some reason now, like, we're coming out of that, obviously. I just think if, if someone deems you as, like, you're a woman. Yes. Or you look like a woman. Yes. And then you are a certain age. They have all these ideas of where you should be and what you're doing and what your life but is even, like. even men do go through this as well. I have a single cousin who's out knocking on 50. He's single, never been married, and no kids. And, you know, there's whispers like, well, maybe he's gay. Why does he have to be gay if he's single? I you feel know? like that happens for guys, definitely. Yeah. But there, it's more accepted it has and for been. women, it's what's wrong with her. There, if you're I, single, you've never thing. been married, and you have no children, what's wrong with her? I, Something's got to be wrong I with wanna her. I want to go down this road with you. However, I feel like these days I'm seeing it run the gamut with both sides, with like all genders, to be honest, where I'll meet someone who's a woman, someone who's a guy, and it's like, I think these days we ask, what is wrong with both of them? You know, like, if I'm at a party, um, I but I don't think that, I think that people expect men to look hot as they get older it's more surprising when a woman see, looks hot see I, which I, I disagree because men can walk around looking like harvey weinstein but you you got look at trump and melania i think that it's different so, with that yeah so it's interesting if trump were a woman melania wouldn't be on his arm a male version of melania would not be on his arm producer shelby as someone who's non-binary yes what are your thoughts on this 
Um, unrelated to my non-binariness. And bi. I am, yes. Um, I'm thinking about how it is so weird that men just assume that attractive women are young because that just shows how creepy they are. That's what I'm saying. Ooh. Like, And how they must, like, you know, there's really, really creepy men that think, you know, if you're 18 and you're beautiful and you're you're thin and whatever, yeah. so it's like beyond comprehension to them that someone older could be that attractive because they're so used yeah, to exactly young they're being surprised. Attractive. They're like, wait, I'm so attracted to you and you're creepy. older. This blows my mind. And then people want to know the fountain of youth. What what the point that producer Shelby just brought up definitely made me think. I think it premieres tonight on Hulu. There's a fascinating documentary coming out about Victoria's Secret, Angels and Demons, and they're going into the Epstein of it all and what was going oh on, what was really going on at those fashion shows. So I'm going to check that out. That's, but that's not the surprising. Char says. So let us hmm. know your thoughts. I know that my segment was all over the place because I couldn't get a word out in my Sorry, intro. But like, this is so interesting <laughs> to me because I do think that I do see it happening on both sides, though. That's yes. that's the thing. But typically it happens more on the female side you're right and that's unfortunate well coming up how can allyship be better for lgbtq professionals in the future and in the workplace that's coming up let's go there with shira and ryan channel q well, allyship, as we know, is important, including in professional settings. And there's been a lot of research around this. Forty uh, percent of LGBTQ plus professionals say that remote work helped them stay away from potential workplace discrimination based on their sexual orientation, um, including, you know, name calling and other microaggressions. And I, I, I think it's really important. You know, this isn't like a new conversation, Mm -hmm. um, but it's something that recently came out in the CNBC Make It article. And we wanted to talk more about it. A recent report from LinkedIn um, says that 47 percent of LGBT professionals feel like they are coming out on a regular basis in the office, which is strange. And there's constant anxiety that's resulted in 34 percent preferring to work remotely, as I mentioned, why that is. Um, And also... Um, allyship is essential for workplace belonging. It's important to 75% of LGBTQ talent. 75%. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, you know, full, full disclosure here. You know, um, I'm someone as a woman who's trans who only talks about my transness if it's pertinent to the job, right? So because I'm at Channel Q, which is a queer and trans radio station, that's the only reason why I lean into that very nuanced experience. Every other job that I've worked and that I do still currently work, my transness does not necessarily come up. And I, I do that intentionally mm-hmm. because I know the pigeonholing that comes with that. So it's easier if I... Um, and I'm openly admitting this, lean into my own privileges that I know that I have where I can just be seen as char and cis assumed because that way I don't, I can navigate and do what I need to do. And then you're impressed by the work and not distracted by me being trans. And it is an uncomfortable and unfortunate truth that in a lot of spaces that I'm in, me being trans would be a a distraction. It really would. Even in these media spaces that claim to be progressive and, it, it is a distraction because it detracts away from the work that I'm doing. And I think it, 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 it almost hinders me. You know, Billy Porter last night at Outfest, he said that he was told that his queerness was going, going to be his liability. Ugh. And he said, and it was for decades of his career. He's just now getting his roses. And so I feel like those types of conversations and those types of undertones in the workplace have not really gone anywhere. People put on a very good front-facing inclusive yada 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 but you get in some of these boardrooms you get in some of these close circles and you see that not much has changed 
when it comes to um, protecting LGBTQ people in the workplace? Well, yeah, that's unfortunate. With that said, you're saying that and there's awareness of that. What could be done to do better than what they're what people are doing now? And in the end, I, I almost don't think it's necessarily just about the company making these like HR rules. It's about just like each individual it's about doing, standing in the gap. I yeah. think about the law professor, you know, Kiara Bridges, who stood up to Josh Hawley. To me, that was allyship. And oftentimes I do see cis black women doing that type of work. Um, and to me, it, it it's about that. It is literally about, I don't want to say tone policing, but it's making sure mm-hmm. that people do not think that coming to you is a safe space for their bigotry. Totally. And saying that doesn't fly with me. This person, like, we're not about to do this. You're not going to come to me and I, like, I'm going to add to that. Right. You know, if anything, I'm going to say what, you know, and when I experience this, it's always like that moment of like, really? But no, I (laughs) know. And then and then going back and saying, you know, what you're saying is very problematic and it's wrong. Can I explain? I don't just say it's wrong. Peace. I said, can I explain to you why this is wrong? I would interrogate why someone would feel comfortable to come up to me, of all people, and express that. Like, I I would think that it was something about me. Because what makes you think it's okay? What makes you think that I'm going totally. to actively participate in this well, nonsense? Well, because you know what it is. It's like if you're either they feel like you're uh, straight or white. Like, I mean, it's always from Sis. others. From other. Uh, yes, because I have been in rooms where people have been transphobic and they have not known that I'm. I've been whoa. that I'm trans. Oh yes, I've Did heard the conversations. Um, no, I haven't. Yeah, in yeah. certain workplaces, when I used That's to work totally, for certain production companies, and I'd be in the break room and conversation would come. Up. Granted, it wasn't anything necessarily violent, but some of that, I'm going to say locker room talk and yeah. jokes, it's like, you don't even know. One guy that was heavily flirting with me had no idea, but in the break room was, you know, had lots to say about uh, Caitlyn Jenner in particular. It had nothing to do with her politics. Yeah. It had everything to do with who she was, wow. which is problematic because we can critique Caitlyn all totally. day, but what we're not about to do is misgender her. Listen, I don't like the lady either, but yeah. we're not about to misgender or dead name her. Totally. And so uh, it's one of those things where, like I said, I would interrogate, like, what makes you think that I'd be OK? But everybody because assumes that they're you, on the same bigoted that, page. Or they've normalized it because there are so many, unfortunately, people that have, are obviously around these people yeah. that have not said anything. Exactly. Right. And that have been complicit and let them get away with it. Yes. Because guess what? It it is an uncomfortable conversation to have. And no one likes being made to feel uncomfortable. Totally. Or you feel like there, you know, I've gotten used to it at this point, but um, it becomes like, okay, this is the beginning of the end of a relationship. Like, you Typically. know, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Shelby? Oh. <laughs> Shelby you say something? At me. Um, <laughs> not only with allyship, but like sexism is something I dealt with a lot of my last job. And being it seems like I was the first person to ever confront my leadership about it and I could tell based on how they <laughs> yeah. were taking it because uh-huh. I, men aren't used to women standing up to them I feel like so um, having that and then other co-workers of mine being male or you know male presenting would back me and I think that's really important too if maybe it's not your place to address the issue if you don't feel that if you don't feel comfortable with that at least back up the person who is doing that Um, because I think being confrontational 
is one of the best ways to be an ally is, you know, and, look and, out for these people. And it really determines the weight of your own moral compass, I believe. Yeah. Totally. Do talk and, the talk and walk the walk. Exactly. And I yep. can't we can't wrap up this conversation without me acknowledging some of the intersectionality here, because for me, it runs deeper than my transness. Yeah. I'm also a black woman yep. in these spaces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I need I need someone to stand in the gap for that as well, yep. um, because typically in my lived experience, my blackness is attacked before my transness. But I know that I have privilege in my transness. You can't hide or shield or disguise your blackness, you know. And so um, that's what's shown up for me when I think discriminatory practices or sexism. It's hand in hand with racism for me. And then transphobia is, you know, bottom tier. Yeah. It's like a connect the dots, right? Yeah. Like, okay, here you start and then you go here yep. and then you go here. Yep. yep. <laughs> Where yep, do you yep. land? Where yep. do you land? Okay, well, a lot of learnings here, and we hope that you're stepping it up wherever you are. And if it's uncomfortable, well, it's time to uh, confront the discomfort. Imagine how uncomfortable it is for the person being attacked. Mm, Exactly. (laughs) Next up, moms are saying they're done with being touched, including by their own kids and partners. Oh, my God. More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right. Well, it seems like moms don't want something anymore and they're talking about it all over social media. A lot of them um, on these accounts are saying that they are feeling touched out. They are saying, and these are people that like loved a good hug. They were touchy feely people. But as parents, they don't want people, not just people to touch them, their kids, their partners. Um, this uh, post on Instagram, the baby chick says the phrase touched out is one that you often hear in the mom community. Many moms will experience this at multiple times in their journey through early years of raising children. And it completely caught this person off guard. Um, they said it can make you frustrated and mad. It can feel like your skin is literally crawling and you can get the urge to push away your baby to make it stop. I feel like I've experienced this before and I'm not a mother or a wife, but I certainly feel like I've experienced at least some degree of this. Yeah. It sounds like hell. Um, so sorry to those mothers out there, but I can I empathize with them because I feel like based on what you just read, I can only imagine like as you were reading, I was imagining me being a mother of three with a husband and I would be touched. Even the thought of that, I'm touched out. Yeah. Well, let's also you remember got a three year old, a five year old. Everybody's needing something. Well, let's you have know? some <laughs> grace and space for um, the parents out there, because one, when you birth, you have postpartum depression. And that makes you literally feel hormonally like you don't want to be in that nurturing way. Secondly, I remember when I got COVID, I'd been through like it was a very traumatic physical experience for me. And I can't imagine, obviously, on steroids, having a baby. Uh, I did not want my partner to touch me. I was recovering my body. And it was almost like I was reconnecting with myself again. And I said to myself, oh, my God. And the same thing for when I had my eggs frozen Mm -hmm. in many ways. You're just kind of like your body's doing its thing. It's repairing, coming back. Yeah. You don't want anything else around. And I mean, I imagine that this goes beyond motherhood and affects anyone who's a parent, really, you know, to some degree, especially if you're like the primary nurturer. If that's your role in the family, because you're taking on the emotional needs and the physical needs of everyone. So uh, remember, if if you feel this way, then look up touched out moms or parents. I'm not much of a cuddler either really now that I think about it. I mean sometimes but most of the times like it's hot go over there. (laughs) Well uh, (laughs) yes a reminder that you're not alone and you have a community. Uh, Next up more of what's trending and could Ricky Martin be going to prison coming up in the tier report. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
Yes, it is Shira and Shar in the studio. Ryan is out, and it's been fun here. We're going to be talking about love languages in 30 minutes, plus Ricky Martin. Could he be going to prison? That's in the tear report in a moment. Let's get into some what's trending this hour. Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser cut the ribbon to D.C.'s first shelter for homeless LGBTQ adults. When it opens in August, the shelter will be able to house 40 people. During the ribbon-cutting ceremony, Mayor Bowser was asked an interesting question. Take a listen. Uh, Mayor, I'm a little concerned because there is this word that you are lesbian and you are in this closet. Why is that the case? Well, what... <laughs> well, I, I'm not in the closet. Okay, what's the question? Okay, that was awkward. Anyway, congrats to them on the, on the historic moments and this space that is so needed. I don't know, that video is going viral, I guess. <laughs> that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Okay, this is scandalous. And I do want to preface this by saying, um, and not to sensationalize this, also trigger warning sexual assault. I watched a fantastic documentary on HBO Max called Menudo, and it chronicles the group Menudo, which, you yeah. know, Ricky Martin was a member mm-hmm. of when he was a kid. I encourage everyone to check that out. Oh, my God. It's Ooh. so good. Is it new? Yeah, it's new. Oh, okay. It's new. It's like four parts. It is so good. But trigger warning, sexual assault. Nevertheless, Ricky Martin, you all, is back in the headlines uh, because he was recently accused of having a relationship with his own nephew. He was accused of domestic violence, according to a Mexican newspaper named El Universal. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing. I'm sure it's El Universal. Uh-huh. Not sure. However, the newspaper reported on Wednesday that the individual who accused Martin of domestic violence was the singer's own nephew. Oof. The new revelations made by the paper come shortly after it was reported that a restraining order was filed against Ricky Martin. The restraining order was filed by an individual who dated Martin for several months, according to the, this is a different newspaper, El Vocero. It's a Puerto Rican newspaper. Now, the restraining order also said that after Martin and the individual had broke up, the singer wanted to continue uh, the relationship, and Martin went to the individual's house on several occasions. Now, the petitioner filed, has filed has fears for their safety. This is according to the paper. But R- Ricky Martin did take to Twitter to uh, in a statement to dispute the allegations. So we're going to have to see what develops from this. It's a very troubling story. I definitely furrowed my brow because there are allegations. This is the second time. Remember the first time a few weeks ago he was accused of domestic violence at the hands of his own partner. And now this is domestic violence and sexual assault. A lot assault, of things coming up. That allegedly, definitely... you know, at the at his own relative and oh, nephew. So we'll see how this unfolds. I'm hoping that these allegations aren't true. We're all endeared to, well, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm endeared to Ricky Martin. I like I, Ricky I Martin, but too. might be time to disassociate, kind of like how I had to do with Mr. Big. Yeah. That's the T-Report for this hour. Okay. Well, after this, what's your love language and how it could impact your relationship? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right. You've probably heard about the five love languages. I'm have sure, you? I'm yes. sure that we I have hope so. talked about them in Full extent I feel on like this show. in the almost four years we've been on the show, definitely, especially it's come when you up. and I host. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Although you know, Ryan has been introduced to the love languages also, and I feel like now there's like a six love language. By the way, so we're about to get into that. Before we do, let's go through the love languages and kind of share what where we're at, and then we're going to reveal the new sixth love language. All right. So the uh, the five lang- love languages are quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, 
acts of service and physical touch based on the book The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, if you're wondering. Um, as much as we say we've heard about this, it's been around, there's a lot of people who still haven't read it. And it's this idea that you might feel like one thing really helps you feel loved, right? It doesn't mean that that's the same thing for the other person. So if we know each other's love language, we could kind of uh, lean into that, right? So if, if I'm into physical touch, but you're not, like, I'm going to be probably giving you lots of physical touch because that's what I want. Yeah. It doesn't mean that's what well, you want. Well, they say we love how we want to be loved or at the capacity that we can. What I find interesting about this is that I first learned about the love languages on a podcast I used to host named Kiss and Tell Radio. Back in the day, it's still up if you want to hear 20-something-year-old Char navigate these L.A. streets. But I took a quiz to determine what mine was. I had no idea that they had derived from a book and apparently a very heteronormative, like Christian influenced book, you know, with the love languages. There's a lot of references about going to church in, in the original the text. church of love, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and that says something, although I, I think this is it can be looked at. Um, you know, as something for everyone but true. If you know the context of the person that wrote it, then that definitely has probably yeah. influenced it. Uh, so what is your love language? So all of them. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is like, I do believe everything's on a spectrum and you need at different points yeah. something else, right? You might what need I a will little say, something else. I'll give you my top three out of five. Yeah. Okay. Because it is all of them, but I do need, I require words of affirmation. Oh my God. Yes. I need yeah. words. And also actions of affirmation, okay? Because if the actions don't match the words, yeah. they're hollow and empty. Um, I enjoy physical touch, and I also enjoy acts of service. Because for me, what's been missing from a lot of the times that I've been like dating or out here is, is thoughtfulness. A lot of men that I have dated or a lot of men that I have been attracted to, I later found out, like, when you know, in retrospect... They're not thoughtful people in the ways that I've been thoughtful for them. And that doesn't mean like predetermining my needs. But to an extent, yeah, it does, because I've done that for them. And so I think some portion of me desired that in return and they just didn't care. Well, that's because so uh, that was an avoidant relationship and you were the anxious attachment. You should look, what, read also the book are Attached. You, are you psychoanalyzing you No, know, I'm just saying. <laughs> so uh, for me, I agree. It's a bit of everything and if I don't, if I'm not getting one, I do notice that there is a lack in a way. Sometimes there's a little bit of a gap. The, the sixth one, we'll wrap it up. The sixth love language that is not included in this book but a lot of you are talking about is uh, distance. Oh, so this is one that the people came up it with. It seems like someone came up with this. Maybe he had a follow-up book that uh, that Child. I'm not seeing, and he's like, got to take advantage of the popularity of this. Let's put a six-level language out there. But it's this idea of like you having uh, your own uh, time to yourself, right? The fact is you should be able to go on weekends. Like People need distance, yeah, right? And that's healthy for a relationship. But for is. some people, it like they need that as their love language. They need to feel independent still while they're in a relationship. And some people, it brings up their insecurities, that, that distance. But I, I certainly think that it's certainly helpful. And I think that in certain relationships, it can make them stronger. Exactly. Give, give, you know, give me a little space to breathe. So the two books, Weekend Reading or Audible or whatever... Uh, love languages and attached. It will change your life and how you approach your relationships. Next up, this will also help how to admit when you're wrong. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. You know, being wrong is an unavoidable part of life and part of being a human being. It's not necessarily black or white, but regardless of what you're wrong about or how wrong you are, that's something people have a hard time coming to terms with admitting. Here to discuss more with us is Allie Volpe, the senior reporter at Vox. Hi, Allie. Hey, how's it going? It's going. How are you on this Friday? Oh, I'm good. I'm just getting ready to run. It's oh. raining a little bit, oh. so it's perfect. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I guess my first question would be, at its core foundation, what do people, what's people's beef with being wrong? I think it's, you know, a fear of admitting you're wrong. It doesn't feel good, you know? Like, I don't think anyone wants to admit, like, that they've hurt someone or something that they thought has been proven wrong, or even, like, on a bigger scale of, like, what you fundamentally believed growing up or even into adulthood that that could not be the case that's pretty uncomfortable and can be often life-shattering so it's kind of an icky feeling and it's sometimes easier to just double down on what you think crazy it's so funny because like we see that by admitting it there's like some connection on the other side but yet we continue doing the opposite how do we push through it and create a new narrative around quote-unquote being wrong Yeah, I I don't think it's easy. And the experts I talk to have often admitted that it's not easy. Um, I think we just kind of need to, like, be open to, you know, things that are happening and being open to the fact that, like, we can be wrong about things, I think, is, is huge to admit, like, we are not this, you know, indestructible being and that everything we believe is correct from the jump. Um, I think just, like, having that sort of vulnerability, um, can really be a a good thing. Yeah, I often say, especially with the line of work that like Shira and I do, you're going to step in it. You know, it's always said, if you're behind a mic, you're going to be wrong at some point. And I think it's a superpower to be able to say, look, I got it wrong. Let's move on. Well, not let's move on. That can be dismissive. But I got it wrong. Like you say, like, just like on to the next. Right. I wouldn't even say that. (laughs) What did you say to me today? You said something. Leave it. Oh, my God. Oh, do your best and leave the rest. Yes. Yes. (laughs) My mom always says that. So how do people go about, I guess, acknowledging their wake up calls and acknowledging their errors when they are wrong? Yeah, I think it's just like as simple as you guys just said is like just admitting it. It doesn't need to be like a huge thing unless you've hurt someone, which is obviously a a different scenario. But to just like be like owning up to it and not making any excuses, because the experts that I talked to said that, you know, in the beginning of our, you know, experiencing admitting that we're wrong, we tend to couch it with lots of excuses of like, I was wrong, but, and then you kind of create excuses for why. But I think just to, like, leave it out there and be like, yeah, I said that thing to you and it hurt you and that was wrong 
like is sort of the best way to go. You know, I think it's partially because, and I'll admit to this, like I was never taught how to acknowledge my mistakes because in life we avoid our mistakes. So you kind of like are like, yeah, if we don't talk about it or like I wasn't modeled that like my parents, I mean, I don't think ever really modeled to me like if they did something bad or there was something that happened in the household. I feel like it was just like, let's just wait this out. Wait till everyone calms down and just sweep it under the rug. Like not See, talk about was, it. And I was the opposite due to religion. You know, you had to repent, oh, you know. I yeah, no, up. we were just like, oh, this is just what we do. And we'll move on and not talk about like what actually happened in a way. Okay. Um, and that's avoidance, right? Which is not healthy. Um, and so as an adult, like I've had to really learn this, even in my relationship, like I'll do things and my, my partner will be like, that hurt my feelings or that wasn't really nice. And I'll be like, mm, like I'll, I'll, I'll feel my little, my young self being like, no, it's not my fault. And then I have to be like, I'm sorry. Like literally like I'm a child. Isn't that interesting? So it's like, I think it's, it can be difficult for not model that behavior. Oh, totally. Like, I am totally on the same page of, like, my, like I grew up with a single mother, and it's like, whatever she said went. Mm-hmm. There's no admitting that she was wrong. Like, even yeah. some things that, even now, and, like, objectively, everyone will say you got this memory incorrect, and you're wrong about this. She won't admit it. So, like, for me, it is hard to admit that. And when you don't have that modeled for you, and even on, like, a professional level, someone I spoke to for this story had not seen it before. She's a researcher. She, you know, her findings were wrong, but she didn't know how to go about it because she's never seen anyone come out and say like, yes, this research I did was wrong. Yeah. And some, some gaffes are bigger than others. I know that ESPN just put their foot in their mouth. They ran a whole segment on a tweet that wasn't even like a real tweet and they ran it as news. And so we've seen this a lot in the age of social media as well with, with people picking up things and, and running the, it as news. But I feel like, is there something we can all do? Like part of it, when I, when I think about apologizing or acknowledging is kind of like, like letting go of my ego, letting go of my own judgment and just being like, it's okay to, to make someone else feel good and acknowledge and seen. Well, it's not even about that. It's about a personal accountability. And personal accountability. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like, again, realizing that we are flawed people and we will yeah. make mistakes. Uh, it's funny in just, the Twitter reaction to this story, um, I know people are joking, but a lot of retweets have been like, nope, could never use this advice. I'm never wrong. <laughs> and I know it's, you know, said in jest, but just to realize, like, everyone is wrong about something sometimes. You will be wrong about something in your life. And to sort of celebrate that and to realize, like, this is a moment for me to grow, for me to learn. And everyone is going to face being wrong at some point in their life and I feel like when you model as you wrote in your article like model that behavior Mm -hmm. you also invite others into acknowledging when like when they've done anything that's like wrong or or um, their their own uh, behavior I think as someone who has employees the more you think you're right and you can't do that the more that you actually invite them into doing the same thing so like, well, and there's yeah. a certain degree. I fear someone who who thinks they're right 24-7. Get away from me with that attitude. Hey, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> Ali Volpe, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us Allie. for this great article. 
Thanks so much for having me. Have a great weekend. That was Ali Volpe, senior reporter at Vox. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Yes, we're back, and thanks for hanging out with us this Friday. It's Shira. Ryan is out. Shar is joining me in the studios always on Fridays. Yes, hello, hello, TGIF. It is Halfway true. through the month already. Can you believe the rent is due in two weeks? Yes, I get. <laughs> thanks for reminding me. Do you have any big weekend plans? I do not. I'm going to a screening. Uh, Never Ending Nina, who is a oh. trans singer, well, a singer who's trans. She's releasing her video tomorrow. It's titled Stop Killing Us. Yep. Um, I'm featured in the video, actually. We okay. filmed it last month during Pride Month, and there's a screening for it tomorrow. So once it's on YouTube, I'll be back Friday, Cute. and we can talk about it. That's what about great. you? Oh my God, what am I doing? Um, I like I didn't have any plans, I guess. Uh, there's some like outings, friend outings. Oh, Sunday, I am going on a friend's yacht. Nice. Ooh. A friend of mine had a startup that got bought for a bunch of money a few years ago. Okay. And he, you know, his dream was to buy a boat, and he did, and he's bringing us all on his boat on Sunday. That sounds fun. It That'll will be, be good. Fun. So that's going to be a blast. And 2022 is moving so quickly. It oh is. Oh, my God. And then I have a bunch of work to do because, you know, no rest for the wicked. And, and when you um, have multiple jobs and your own company, that's the way it rolls, but it's all good. I'll be doing it on my own terms. Yeah. Cup of coffee in my bathroom. I just want to relax. Gosh. I like, I like we talked about, there's a lot of chaotic energy out right now. Yes. I don't know where to place it. I don't, I don't know what I can use as an outlet. I feel like I'm losing Working it. Working out, just like you said, Pilates. Yeah. That's what, I don't uh, put my alarm on on the weekends. I try not to. See, see when I wake up. <laughs> I wake up naturally at like 6.30 I wish I do, and then I naturally go back to bed. I can't do that. Once I'm know, up, me, I'm up. No. And my no. mother did not so allow bad. us to stay in bed well, past why. 10 a.m. on oh. the weekends. Yeah. Mm, you got to get up. That's what happens. <laughs> I'm going to be doing that for my kids because I see what happens now when you're an adult. Okay, coming up, Herschel Walker has been in the news a lot. Find out what his son did in the T-Report in a moment. Oh, gosh. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Senator Joe Manchin has said he'll oppose any economic measure he's been negotiating with Democratic leaders if it includes climate or energy provisions or higher taxes on the rich and corporations. So Manchin supposedly told Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer that he's going to only support a new measure if it's limited to curbing pharmaceutical prices and extending federal subsidies for buying health care coverage. He was actually a guest on a talk radio show and talking about his comments, a comment saying they were taken out of context. I said, Chuck, until we see the July inflation figures, until we see the July um, basically, uh, Federal Reserve rates, interest rates, then let's wait until that comes out so we know that we're going down a path that won't be inflammatory to add more to inflation. Inflation is absolutely killing many, many people. And can't we wait to make sure that we do nothing to add to that? And I can't make that decision on basically on taxes of any type and also on the energy and climate because it takes the taxes to pay for the investment in the clean technology that I'm in favor of. All right. Well, you could also say that those things are important, too, and that is, you know, it's part of your mission to figure it out, right? It's not one or the other. Yeah. Now, let's move on to uh, the monkeypox vaccine that's now available in L.A. County to gay and bisexual men and transgender persons who have a recent history of rectal gonorrhea or early syphilis. So if you Whoa. are in that category, then you are eligible for a vaccine to so get. So wait, why yeah. is it why is it just that specific category? Because the, the maybe you're those more, things aren't just pertinent to. I, I am not a um, physical. I'm not a doctor. OK, thank I'm not you. Not a health professional. I was yes. going to say mental health professional. Um, 
I'm assuming it's because it leaves you like in a more uh, vulnerable place if you get it or something okay. maybe like that. I don't Perhaps. know. We should talk about it more next week. We sh- definitely should because the socialization around these headlines are a little yeah. scary. It looks like history repeating itself a bit or beginning to. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a heads up to get vaccinated, you need to provide either proof of an appropriate and verifiable test result in the last three months or a medical provider attestation confirming that you have a history of one of those conditions. Those who meet the criteria and are either without a provider or whose provider doesn't give the vaccine can now make an appointment at a public health clinic or walk up to one of three public health vaccination pods to receive the vaccine. So... Yes. But we're all prone to it. I think that's what that's what freaks me out. But it's just like the the it, I'm assuming this is an there, assumption. I know certain groups get prioritized with vaccines. Exactly. So it's like if this is airborne, or if I can go to the gym and work out, and someone's sweat touches me, and now I got the pox. You know, is it that I thought it was from skin to skin contact? Well, yeah, I think I think it is. Yeah. I've seen conflicting reports, so let okay. me just shut up. Let's all be quiet. <laughs> Let's just all go Google. Um, um, and then go just talk to mental uh, mental health. I keep thinking mental talk health. To talk to your doctor, care physician. provider. Yeah, a professional. Yeah. All right. That was what's trending this hour. Girl. What's going inflation on? Inflation and monkeypox. Oh, my God. I, mean, I can't wait for the weekend. That's why I keep saying mental health professional, because I think we all need therapy. Well, you know, said. speaking of mental health, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Herschel Walker, who has been in the headlines recently, you know, he's running against Raphael Warnock in, in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. His son, Christian Walker, who I'm sure we've all seen, a light skin, you know, he says he's not gay. But he does like men um, okay. with his contact lenses, with his gray contact lenses. He recently was at a West Hollywood Starbucks or West L.A. rather Starbucks. And he got into a, a bit of a verbal scuffle, one sided, with R&B singer Kelani. Let's take a listen to Christian in full Karen mode and then we'll hear what Kelani had to say to rebut. Everyone's entitled to an opinion and you're so rude or you wouldn't be telling barista workers that I'm Ma'am, ma'am, you don't need to tell baristas that I'm an asshole for because I have an opinion. Get your drink and go and go away. I I can have an opinion like everybody else. Why are you entitled to an opinion and not me? You want to tell baristas? So I should I should preface this by saying uh, my favorite part of that is the ma'am. Ma'am, it's so on par. But also, they, they were in the drive-thru line, and this is a, a Starbucks that Kalani said is has a lot of queer employees. There's lots of pride flags, trans flags. And I guess Christian went up there with his iPhone to to shoot content. You know, And, and then he she, likes, was, she said, oh, this person's... Yeah, uh, she was in line in, ahead of him, and she was telling the baristas, like, hey, that, little, that Trump out. supporter guy is behind me, that a-hole. And Christian overheard her and then said, ma'am, got out of his car. But there's more to this story, because... Take a listen to what Kelani had to say because she took to her twi- oh, her God. TikTok. Listen. Now, he didn't start recording when he actually started speaking to me. When he actually started speaking to me, it was, you're holding up the line, all this. At this time, I am on the phone with my therapist having a virtual therapy session. Coincidentally, talking about people misplacing anger when they're mad at something else. And I'm just having this aha moment with my therapist. And I'm going, I know what you want to do. You want to get a reaction out of me so that you can go viral and then you can pose this as some kind of uh, take on people with my political stance. 
Yeah, I, I wish more people were were privy to these traps that are sometimes set because a lot of the times people are just trying to provoke or invoke oh, totally. a reaction out of you so that they can use that and, to. And guess what? You can be an a hole. Doesn't mean she, she's saying that you can't speak, but you are an a hole. Right? She didn't say that she he wasn't entitled that. to an opinion. It's like, ma'am, get with it, ma'am. That's the T report for oh this hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Well, we're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. This one goes to a social media star, Elo Steph. That's E L L O Steph, who has over 645,000 combined followers on YouTube's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. She's actually using her psychology and theater background to build a supportive community through educational LGBTQ content and glimpses into her life as an activist. Nice. Yeah, which, as you can imagine, is so needed right now. And here she is sharing a bit about why she decided to do this. When I was younger, I was the only gay person I knew. It wasn't a topic I could easily access resources for or ask my teachers about without there being some sort of social repercussion. I just wanted to prevent any young queer person from feeling as alone as I did by being the person I wish I had growing up, which is why I teamed up with Chevrolet. And then she goes into a sponsor thing, but you know... (laughs) This is actually part of this Chevrolet series they did with a bunch of LGBTQ leaders. But you kind of get the point from the content she does. And she's really making a difference. They also had partnered with um, Glisten and LGBTQ Nation on this. So you can find that article more about her. And just check out her content at Steph. She also said uh, that she's receiving her Ph.D. in community well-being, and her goal is to use her degree to create legislation that will protect the LGBTQ community, which is so awesome and so needed. So big shout out to LSF and all those people out there. If you're using your your platforms for good and for the younger generation who obviously can't necessarily have safe spaces in schools right now, you get a big yes, queen. Yeah. Yes, queen. And let's end the show on a high note. That does it for our show today, but we are back next week, weekdays here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern Live. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. We shorten it up. We take out the music. We just post the the fun, smart parts of it. (laughs) (laughs) So just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. I want to say thank you to Shar, as always, for being here on Fridays. Thank you for having me. It's always a delight. Mm -hmm. At Shar Says So is where you can find her on social media. We are sending you love and light. And I love us for real. Yes. And stick around for more music right here on Channel Q. Have a great weekend. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 